Now, we continue our series of party leader interviews on this programme and a short time ago, I was joined in studio by the Tánishta and Fine Gael leader Leo Varadkar to ask him about the opening of the country, the rising cost of living and that Ivy House champagne party, among other issues. But I began by asking him if he believed the murder in Tullamore of Ashling Murphy this week would be a watershed moment which would help to bring an end to violent attacks by men on women. I think it's been been a dreadful week for the country and, um, you know, also for uh, obviously Ashling's family and friends and the whole uh, community in Tullamore and want to extend my condolences to them. Um, I hope that this can be a watershed moment um, and I hope that we don't lose the momentum perhaps that's been generated by uh, the extraordinary public response to what's happened. Um, and government has to lead on that and we will. Uh, we have... Um, already done things like uh, amend the law around consent, um, ratify the Istanbul Convention, for example, on, on gender-based violence, uh, increase resources for the Gardaí so they can establish special victims units in, in every division. Um, but we need to build on that. Minister McEntee is showing a lot of leadership on this and we'll have our new strategy on gender-based yes. violence quite soon. And, and what kind of practical measures then will be in that new strategy? So there's four aspects to it. There is prevention, which is really important. Uh, there's protection, um, there's prosecution, and there's also policy coordination. So uh, you need to take actions in all of those areas. Um, and government will lead on this. Um, as I said, Minister McEntee is really passionate about this, uh, wants to um, make sure that uh, we make a difference in the next couple of years. Um, but also I think we need to act as a society as well. Government can and will lead, but we also need to act as a society. And that's particularly true of men. Uh, because um, all of us need to think again about um, the kind of culture that leads to uh, violence against women uh, and what we teach our boys. And I hope that what's going to happen, and I hope what is already happening in, you know, at dinner tables, in sports clubs, in schools, um, among groups of men uh, talking to each other this week and next week, uh, is a conversation about that kind of culture that... Uh, gives rise to um, violence and mistreatment of women, which, okay. um, which which is an epidemic in the society. But but just on the the government strategy, which is going to be brought forward, will that be backed up by new money, funding for shelters, for sexual violence centres, for the education of boys that you're talking mm. about? There, can you say to people here today that there will be new money in that strategy? Yeah, I can absolutely give the commitment that the new strategy will be backed up by real action, um, by additional resources, by new staff, and by new money. Um, and it's not that that's something new either. You know, we have invested a lot of money in recent years uh, in awareness campaigns, uh, in additional resources for the Gardaí, uh, in additional sh- shelters, for example. Um, but we're going to we're going we're going to need to do more. And it really is important, I think, that the government responds to uh, the huge public outpouring of grief and anger and concern. And uh, that's what we're going to do. At the moment, this strategy would fall under two departments, as I understand it: justice and the Department of Children. When you're Taoiseach in eleven months' time. Will you be giving consideration to perhaps creating a minister for women's issues or gender issues to take control of of that strategy as an indication of your seriousness about tackling this problem? Um, Well, I think that's a matter for now uh, rather than for 11 months' time or a few years' time. Um, It's really important that there's clear political leadership, that there is a designated minister who is responsible for driving this strategy through. Uh, forward. Um, but we also need to bear in mind that it will require uh, coordination by different government departments, no matter what you do. Um, there's a housing aspect to this. There's a justice aspect to this. There's a child protection a- aspect to this. So uh, crucially, what you need is um, 
all of government, if you like, behind the strategy, and then a clear person, uh, a clear minister who's designated to be the person who's going to charge so will, it. Will there be a senior minister then created or appointed to take charge of the strategy? You know, that, that's a matter, obviously, that will have to be decided um, by government um, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, you know, sometimes it can make sense to designate a Minister of State to be in charge of something. Sometimes it makes more sense that the person in charge is a senior minister because they have clout, obviously, with their colleagues. Is that something you would like to see happening? Um, I think it's absolutely essential that um, we clearly designate a lead minister and lead department for the strategy, yes. Okay. Now, you you mentioned the outpouring of of grief and the expression of of outrage that happened uh, since Ashling Murphy was was killed. Um, A lot of that happened on social media, but social media was also used by people then to identify suspects in a live guard investigation, including one who was later cleared of any involvement. Does that concern you? Would you like to see social media companies perhaps taking more control of the content which could interfere with a guard investigation? Yeah, it, it does concern me. Um, concerns me the fact, not, not just that um, that this was on social media, that somebody was wrongfully arrested um, and also that information about that person uh, was um, was given out to the media, not just social media, um, let's not forget. So uh, I think that is a matter of concern. We will have um, uh, new, new regulations coming through, the creation of a digital regulator, if you like, and part of that is going to be the Online Safety Commission. So uh, Mr. Catherine Martin is leading on that legislation at the moment, new laws that we're going to have to uh, better regulate social media. But it's not just about social media, let's not forget. All right. Um, now, I want to move on to, to another topic and ask you about the reopening of society. Um, we are seeing some positive indicators in relation to COVID-19, hospital admissions coming down, ICU numbers as well. When do you expect to be in a position to start rowing back on restrictions? Um Soon, uh, there'll be a meeting in EFID on the 20th of January and on foot of that, um, advice will be furnished to government and we'd hope to be able to make a decision uh, in the days after that in relation to easing of restrictions in February. Uh, I think overall it's important to say that um, if you look at any objective measure, Ireland has managed this pandemic well, uh, whether it's um, the case fatality rate, whether it's deaths per million, whether it's vaccination programme, um, whether it's the number of people in hospital at the moment, uh, Ireland has managed the pandemic uh, well. And I want to thank our healthcare workers uh, and the Irish public for all that they've done to make that possible. Um, but I also do think we're coming to the point where we also need to move on. We've had very strict restrictions in Ireland for two years now. Um, if you take last summer or the summer before that, we had the strictest rules in Europe. Uh, I don't think that should be the case this summer. And certainly as Minister of Enterprise, Trade, Employment, who wants to get businesses open, wants to get people back to work, as leader of Fine Gael, a party that believes in uh, individual freedom, um, I'll be pushing for uh, a more ambitious uh, and a quicker reopening over the next couple of months. O- over the no- next nothing, couple of months? Nothing uh, risky, nothing reckless, but certainly something that's in line with uh, our European peers. Can I just ask you then just about the, the immediate future then? And you say decisions will be made towards the end of this month. What are we likely to see or what are you expecting will happen after that? I mean, will we see, for example, concerts, theatres, nightclubs all reopening? Will we see people being able to stand in a pub and have a drink again maybe next month? I think it will be phased. I don't anticipate that we'll just remove all restrictions at the end of January or at the start of February. I think it will be a phased process um, over the next um, the next couple of months. Um, I don't want to speculate about any particular uh, restrictions being eased. That's not, not fair on people. You know, these are people's lives, people's jobs, people's businesses. When they get information from the government, they want to know that that's what's going to happen. They don't want to hear ministers speculating about it. So um, I, I'm not going to do that. Um, but one thing, you know, I would say is uh, over the course of the last two years, 
Um, Ireland is probably the only country in the world, the only one that I know of, where it hasn't been possible to stand in a pub or go to your office if you wanted to for two years. Um, that's been very hard on people, uh, very hard on young adults in particular who've lost two years of their youth, very hard on single people, uh, very hard on people who work in those sectors uh, and people for whom culture and sport uh, isn't just a job uh, or a business, it's also their passion. Um, and, you know, I'm very much of the view that uh, the things over the course of the spring and summer um, need to be relaxed, need to be eased. Do, do you expect then that we will see the full lifting of restrictions this year? Given where Omicron mm, is at the yeah. moment and what we know about its severity. I, I think that should be the, should be the aim. Uh, as you know, all the legislation actually falls on the 31st of March, uh, can be extended by, by three months. Um, and, you know, one thing I said yesterday to my, my party is that uh, on many occasions we've acted out of an, out of an abundance of caution. Um, but sometimes an abundance of caution can be an excess of caution and we need to uh, we need to avoid that. And I'm very keen to see the reopening happening at an ambitious pace over the next few weeks, the next few months. But we have to caveat that by the truth, unfortunately, and, and a reality that we need to uh, explain to people. Um, a lot of immunity has been built up because of the vaccines, because, because of people getting infected. Immunity will wane. Um, there will be more variants. Uh, and while winter will pass, another winter will come again. Uh, so even though I'm very much in favour of easing restrictions as rapidly as we possibly can, uh, we need to make sure that we are able to respond rapidly as well uh, if there is a resurgence of the virus. And that is a possibility. And, this, and this, on this, that, this isn't over yet. Um, are you expecting then that, uh, and is the government planning for giving people a fourth dose of the vaccine uh, perhaps ahead of next winter? Um, at the moment, that's not indicated, but that's something that we're going to have to consider. Uh, certainly, I think for older people and for people who are medically vulnerable, it may well be the case that we need to give them an annual vaccine for COVID in the way we do for flu. But that's just not determined yet. And there's still uh, a lot we don't know about this virus. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, there will be more variants. Uh, there will be another winter um, and immunity will wane. And that's why we need to make sure that uh, while we reopen society rapidly, which is what I want us to do, that we have a rapid response in place if we need that as well. We know now that antigen tests have replaced PCR tests for for certain age cohorts on on testing. Um, Sinn Féin has said that following this change that antigen tests should be made now freely available Um, and also we know that medical grade masks uh, are a core part of protecting public health for some people and they are also not free. Will they be and will antigen tests be free? Well, you know, I'm kind of hoping that we're not too far away from the point where we don't need to do widespread testing anymore, um, that we're only in the position where we have to test those who are physically ill uh, and that we're only saying to people um, that they have to wear masks if they're symptomatic. You know, we mightn't be all that far away from that. Let's, let's, not, let's not, not forget that. If, if we start to treat this virus as it's endemic, uh, testing will be for those who are very sick to find out why they're sick and masks will be for those who are symptomatic, not okay, for the general but for population. the immediate couple of weeks then, um, are you still saying to people you're going to have to pay for a mask, a medical grade mask? Well, I, you know, I think when it comes to antigen testing, there are hundreds of thousands of tests that are now provided for free uh, every week by the HSE. Um, those are for people who have symptoms uh, under the age of 40, also for people who uh, are close contacts. So there is a lot of tests being provided uh, at no cost already. Um, when it comes to masks, uh, at the moment, um, NEFA doesn't recommend that high-grade masks have to be used in other workplace settings outside of a healthcare setting. If they recommended that should happen, well, then, of course, we would fund them. But as I understand it, TDs and senators are getting these masks uh, for, for free when they go into work. Should the same standard not be applied to everybody else? Um, 
well, Justin, I, I pay for my pay for my own masks, <laughs> but but by the way, um, and they're not provided in government departments. But uh, I, I understand in Enster House, uh, they're provided to the staff who are there, but uh, not to ministers in government departments. Uh, you know, I think that's something that we do need to give consideration to, uh, and it's something I'll be talking to my colleagues about. Um, as I said, Neffed doesn't uh, recommend or require people to wear high grade masks in workplaces, um, but it does say that they are better, um, and the government is an employer. And it makes sense to me that we should want to protect uh, our staff. Uh, and one of the ways we can do that is providing um, medical grade and FFP2 masks at no cost. And that's something I think we need to give some thought to. OK. Now, th- there have been calls, including from senior members of your own party, for the leaving search to be run on the same hybrid model as last year. What's your own view, given the calls from the likes of Regina Doherty and indeed from students for this to happen? You know, the current plan that is being uh, brought forward by Minister Norma Foley is that the Leaving Cert will be, if you like, the normal Leaving Cert, the traditional Leaving Cert uh, for 2022. Is that that fair on the students um, who will have missed a lot of class time last year and indeed at the start of this year, many of them will have had to isolate as close contacts or, or having been ill? Um, you know, I think as the teacher said the other day, we're not ruling out the possibility of a hybrid option, uh, as was done last year. Um, I think the most important thing is that we give uh, students certainty as soon as possible, uh, because um, I still remember studying for my leaving cert, I'm sure you do too, and, y- you know, they want to know what the rules of the game are. Uh, and I think it's really important that we give absolute certainty to students, um, you know, in the next couple of weeks so that they know what they can plan for. All right. And on the, on the subject of, of standards and how standards should be set and applied to people, I, I want to ask you about the, the champagne party which took place in Ivy House in June 2020 after Ireland won a seat on the UN Security Council. Was that party an illegal gathering? Um, I, I, I honestly don't know and I can't answer that question. I suppose um, at the time, if I remember correctly, the rules were that you could only have a social gathering indoors uh, of about six or seven people and clearly there were more people there than that. Uh, on the other hand, uh, it appears that it was impromptu, that it wasn't an organised gathering. But, but, such, the, fact but that you don't, you, the fact that you don't know whether that was illegal, doesn't that underline the fact that there should have been or should be an investigation into it? Um, like I say, in terms of anything... In relation to it being legal or not, you know that that would that would obviously be a matter matter for the Gardaí, not a matter for the government. Well, then, should the minister not have um, uh, reported it to the Gardaí? You know, I, I think, I, I, I think, we, you know, I, I think obviously that's. I suppose the, the 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 implication there is is that in some way the the minister is responsible for this. I, I don't think that's fair. You know, he's he in charge of the department, isn't he? Yeah, he, but he wasn't present. Uh, he had no role in organising it whatsoever. Um, and um, civil servants are politicians do not have the power or authority to discipline civil servants. We 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 have authority over our political staff. Um, we don't have authority over um, civil servants. We have no power to. Um, reprimand them or discipline them we don't that's just the way our system works but if you're not certain civil servants you're not certain as to whether or not this party was uh, an illegal gathering then should there not now be an investigation to determine and, and establish that fact I, I think that's principally uh, an issue for the civil service um, not, not a political issue and well then are, are you going to ask the civil service or the secretary general of the department to carry out that investigation but that's that's not my role as you know I, i'm i'm the minister for enterprise trade and employment well, should should the minister then should minister coveney ask him to do that and that's that's obviously a matter for him to decide well uh, gary gannon of the social democrats said that minister coveney 
who took two weeks to come out and answer questions about this, he said he facilitated the increasing belief that his department has an arrogant culture of viewing themselves as above the behaviour expected of everyone else in politics or society. What's your response to that? You know, I I think in fairness to those involved, um, it does appear to have been an impromptu event. Uh, It should not have happened. Um, It was wrong that it occurred. Um, uh, But it was, you know, it was 18 months ago at this stage. And, you know, perhaps um, a further investigation is required. But um, I think it's important that we put in perspective too. Okay. Um, I want to ask you about inflation and the cost of living, because as we know, a lot of people are struggling with it, particularly this month with fuel bills uh, so high. Um, uh, you, you addressed that, that uh, question at your party meeting yesterday, and you mentioned the fact that people will be getting a €100 Euro credit on their electricity uh, uh, bills this year. When will that actually be coming? Will, will, it, will people have it in January when they need it? Uh, it, it requires legislation, so it, it will be done in the first quarter of this year. Um, so it could be March, could it? Oh, I, I think it'll be before then, but it does depend on, on how often you get your bill, of course. But it, it does require some legislation and will definitely be done um, in the first quarter of this year. Um, but I do want to say that the government very much recognises that inflation is very high. Uh, the cost of living is impacting uh, on businesses, on people. A lot of households are struggling to make ends meet. Um, and there are a lot of things we can do to help with the cost of living. And we are doing them. Um, one of the things that, you know, I was instrumental in my party, were instrumental in making sure we had in the last budget was a tax package uh, and a social welfare package. Um, that's kicking in this month. Uh, people will see um, more money in their pay slip this month uh, as a result of the fact that income tax has been reduced. Uh, people who are in receipt of state pension will see an increase. People who are in receipt of other welfare payments will see an increase too. Uh, and also there's been a 3% increase in the minimum wage. Um, and we're doing other things as well to reduce cost. Uh, for example, the uh, freeze on childcare fees uh, I think will be okay. welcome to a lot, lot of families. But we're going to need to do more. And one of the projects that I'm initiating as Tanishta is looking at other ways uh, over the course such, of the year. Such as? Well, you know, I, I think I think two areas where in particular um, Ireland is an outlier is the cost of childcare uh, and also the cost of healthcare. A lot of out, out of pocket expenses for healthcare. We're doing a bit on that. You know, for example, the reduction in in um, prescription charges uh, kicks in, for example, this month as well, uh, and the freeze in childcare fees. But I think we need to do a lot more. And so certainly a big part of my agenda and the agenda of my party for 2022 uh, is putting in place plans to reduce the cost of living, um, reducing things, particularly the cost of childcare, healthcare, also looking at things like student fees. What about pay rises? Because it's reported in the Business Post today that public servants are going to seek new pay rises mm. to combat inflation in, in the next public pay deal. Do you accept that their claim is valid? Well, we have a public service pay agreement already and that does involve pay increases. Um, they happened last year, they're happening this year as well. Uh, and also, as I mentioned, we have the increase in the minimum wage. But they're being in. eaten up by inflation and mm. it, it would seem that public servants are going to come back and, and look for something extra to combat inflation. Um, do, do, you, do you accept that they have a, a case to make here? Uh, I, I, I do. Um, it is it is absolutely the case that when we negotiated that pay agreement with public servants, with our, our guardian, our teachers, our nurses, our doctors, uh, that was done at a time when inflation was projected to be very low, uh, maybe between zero and 2%. Uh, it's now 5%. So it is reasonable that they would come forward now and say that we need to look at this pay deal again. Um, but that would have to be negotiated. And it's absolutely the case that if the government were to agree to any 
um, further pay increases this year, that we would be looking for something in return, particularly around productivity. But what I anticipate is that uh, at some point over the course of the year, we'll need to negotiate a successor agreement to the existing agreement that was planned anyway. Uh, and of course, pay will form part of that. But we'll also want to talk about productivity and about public service reform. All right. Uh, and, and in terms of productivity, then, what are you talking about? Additional working hours? Uh, not necessarily. It, it, it could mean additional flexibilities. It could mean changes in working practices. Uh, but this is the normal course of events. Uh, we negotiate a public sector pay deal every couple of years. Um, and when it comes to an end, and it's coming to an end in October, usually a few months before that, we negotiate a new one. Uh, and generally the way it works is that um, there's an agreement on pay on the one hand, um, but that is part funded by reforms and productivity and changes in work practices on the other. And I imagine those um, negotiations will begin in the next couple of months. Uh, very much a matter for uh, Minister McGrath to deal with, and I, I know he will. I, I want to ask you about competitiveness because we saw uh, recently that Ireland lost out on, on jobs and investment uh, when Intel decided against building an €80 billion Euro, uh, semiconductor facility here. I think that went to Germany instead, uh, although Ireland was on the shortlist. And it was reported at the time, I think, that the strain on our water and electricity services was one of the, the reasons or one of the factors in that decision. How much of a concern is it uh, for you uh, that, that we might be losing investment because we cannot guarantee electricity and water supplies for, for large companies? I, I think, Justin, what you neglected to mention there was that last year was the best year ever uh, in Ireland in terms of FDI. Uh, we had the biggest increase in um, FDI jobs in Ireland uh, since records began uh, and we'd increases in every region of the country and most of those jobs were created outside of um, outside of Dublin, which is really important in terms of balanced regional development. Uh, that's on the IDA side. On the EI side, 2021 was also the best year ever. Okay. And you, you made that point, I think, earlier in the week, but I just want to ask you about the jobs that we didn't get and the, the reasons mm. behind um, and that. And one of the reasons and a concerning reason perhaps is our uh, electricity guarantee of electricity supplies. So are you concerned that our national grid uh, is not up to standard, the standard that we can attract the, those jobs in the future? You know, once again, I need to emphasise the fact that last year was the best year ever in terms of FDI jobs and in terms of Irish companies exporting abroad. Uh, we've set a government target of having 2.5 million people at work by 2024. That's my job as Minister of Enterprise, Trade and Employment to make that happen. Uh, we're going to meet that target. We're going to see jobs growth in multinationals, in Irish companies, in construction, in the public service, in the care economy, in loads of different areas. Um, yes, there are constraints, absolutely. Uh, and electricity, water services, housing are among those constraints. Uh, and that's why we have a national development plan which sees uh, a major increase in government investment in all of those areas. Uh, we're going from a position where uh, five or six years ago uh, we invested below the European average in public infrastructure uh, to a situation whereby we're going to put about 5% of GNI star uh, into public infrastructure. So, you know, that's happening and it needs to happen. All right. Um, I, I want to turn to the Guard investigation into the disclosure by you of a GP contractor, Dr. Matthew O'Toole. Mm. Uh, political colleagues from across the divide, including Jim O'Callaghan and Roisin Shortall, have expressed surprise at the length of time that that Guard investigation is taking. Is it a source of frustration to you? Yeah, well, you know, first of all, it, it was not a contract. Um, you and I all know what a contract is, and uh, it was not a contract, nor was it a cabinet document subject to cabinet confidentiality. Uh, those are false allegations. Uh, they're allegations made by political opponents um, who uh, are somewhat obsessed by me, despise my party, and are increasingly vocal supporters of another party. Um, when I heard 
around this time last year uh, that this heard it from the media uh, around this time last year that this investigation was happening um, I had hoped that it would be concluded quickly um, it hasn't been uh, that's not something that's under my control um, I've cooperated fully uh, I was interviewed uh, back in April answered all questions uh, provided documents provided devices I've heard nothing since then uh, I've no control over the pace of this investigation and would you like I presume you would like this investigation to be wrapped up promptly of course, absolutely. It's um, it's it's. Uh, is it a distraction then to you in your work? It's not a distraction from my work. Um, and like I say, I'm extremely busy in, in the job I'm doing. Um, the job that I have as Minister for Enterprise, Trade, and Employment is 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 a brilliant job. We talked about what we've achieved last year in terms of job creation. Among the things I'm doing now in the next few months is going to be the creation of five new workers' rights. Uh, we're going to have. Uh, a right to statutory sick pay in Ireland. We're going to the right to remote working, uh, or the right to request remote working, rather. Uh, we're going to have uh, new rights around redundancy for people who are laid off during the pandemic. Uh, we're going to have the protection of tips, and we're going to have a new public holiday. So um, I'm not distracted in the slightest. Uh, record levels of job creation, five new workers' rights. Um, I'm really pushing forward that agenda. And, and you are due to take over as Taoiseach again in November. Um, is it still your intention to become Taoiseach in November, even if you're under investigation at that time? Well, like I say, you know, 11 months is a long time in politics. It's a lifetime in politics. Um, my focus isn't on that at the moment. OK, uh, but what do you say to the likes of Roisin Shortall, who say that it would be a problem for someone to enter the Taoiseach's office while still under investigation? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure Roisin Shortall won't be voting for me uh, to be Taoiseach, no matter what. In fact, I'm not sure she'd vote for anyone to be Taoiseach. Uh, that is the nature of, of the Social Democrats as a party. They're generally opposed to everything. Tanishta and Fine Gael, leader Leo Varadkar, thank you very much indeed for coming to us today. Thank you.